Welcome back to the Heavy Boots Podcast, the place to feel all your feelings. I've been away for quite a while, and there was a, a big reason for that. I was focused on a, on a singular goal, and I needed to put all my energy into it. I've learned a lot about myself and about others, and I have a lot to talk about and to fill you in on. A lot of reflection has happened, a lot of emotions, sadness, anger, fear. So let's get into it. Thank you for coming back to listen to Heavy Boots. I'm sorry for the delay in our recording. I've been going through a lot of stuff and I thought I better come on here and tell you all about it. I actually recorded like three different times for this and I just didn't like what I had to say and so I didn't post it. Um, I've been very hard on myself lately and we'll get into all that but I really appreciate you coming back to listen. I hope that your spring is starting off beautifully and that you're enjoying the flowers and hopefully not too much um, allergy trouble. I know I'm having some, so if my voice changes, uh, that might be why. But I just appreciate you. I appreciate your messages you sent of support and encouragement and for listening. And um, I'm finding my way back. Yeah, I'm finding my way back. So a lot has happened. I was, um, the last time I posted, I was battling with depression and the way that I know it's depression, um, this is not clinical information or anything like that. It's just for me, um, is that I'm inconsolable. Um, nothing can stop me from crying. And then the other piece of it is that I don't normally or typically I don't know where the sadness is coming from. So that's what was happening is that there was just so much sadness and no real pinpoint of why. Um, and so that was depression to me and it was scary and it was, I've had it many times in my life, but the reason why it's scary is because you can't just come out of it. Like it's hard to explain, especially to people that, um, don't experience depression, they're like, it's just a sad time, get over it, you know, okay, you can stop being sad now, you know, put on a happy face, whatever, that kind of thing, and there's totally a difference with depression, like, sadness comes, and it's like a rain cloud, you know, it comes, and you get sad, and you can pinpoint, okay, that movie made me sad, or, you know, um, this memory made me sad. And, and, you know, sometimes it can last for three or four days, just regular sadness. You could just feel sad about something. And the difference is, is you can usually pinpoint where it's coming from and you can work through it and it's really cut and dry and sun, the sun comes out and everything's back to normal. But for depression, the sun doesn't come back out. Um, and you don't know how to fix it and you can't really figure out what you're feeling and you, you're you just inconsolable. And like, it doesn't mean that you're 
crying all the time, but it means that you can't snap out of this feeling. You either want to be in bed and just stay there or, you know, you're, you're crying. It's just a hard thing. And, and so even like doing the dishes or going on a walk, it takes every ounce of you or taking a shower. And so I, I always try and celebrate the little victories, you know, um, and it, the shame comes in when, you know, you start to compare to other people like, oh my gosh, to them, it would be so silly that I'm clapping at myself for taking a shower. Well, they don't matter in this, you know, like it's amazing for them that that's not a victory, but for you it is. So you just got to own it and celebrate it, you know? But so that was, that's what I was dealing with in January for sure. You know, it started in October, um, and slowly got worse and worse and worse. (laughs) Um, it was just a progression of feelings and like, yeah, it just, um, it was something that I couldn't pinpoint, you know, it was just a lot of things and everything all at once like that movie. Um, yeah. So basically I just had had enough of these cycles of depression. Like I've had so many cycles of depression and usually I just work through them and don't really change a bunch and they just go away. You know, it just, I, I somehow get out of it (laughs) and it takes a long time. Usually though, I didn't want to be that distant from the world. You know, I didn't want to be gone that long from reality and, and not reality, but like, you know, present in, in my world, in my, in my social circles, in my family. I just, I didn't want to retract, um, for days on end like that, but I ended up doing that. Um, and then I wanted help. So I found hers online. It's, um, a place where you can go and get meds for mental health issues. And it, it was something that is fast and easy. And I have a long, complicated medical story on insurance and all that, that I won't bore you with. But basically this was a really good option for me to get some psychiatric meds quickly. And, um, it's a reputable place. Kristen Bell is there their spokeswoman. So, um, but Ben Affleck is a spokesman for Dunkin' Donuts and we know that's not good for you. So I'm not saying that you should just trust everyone that you like as a movie star, but I do feel that, um, you know, from my experience, it was a very good avenue for me to take. It was very helpful. And so what I did was I got a prescription and I, I can't, I always forget what kind it was. It was like generic Zoloft or something like that. And, um, they had told me that it would be best if I didn't drink. So that started a whole goal in my life that I didn't even know was going to happen. So basically I wanted to be sober, um, to take the pills so that they work well, you know? Yeah. So I decided that I wanted to be completely sober and, uh, you know, start off on the right foot. Basically that's, that's just what I wanted to do. And to each their own, you know, whatever works. But so that's what I wanted to do. 
So in February, my mom and I had planned to go to a Taylor Swift uh, dance party. Um, the whole debacle, I couldn't get tickets for her concert. And so we're like, we'll do that. It's it's fun. It's with like-minded people that love Taylor Swift and we'll just have a dance party. And so I hadn't seen my mom since Christmas or actually since New Year's until then. And that was February 3rd. Um, and so I did that and we had a fantastic time. And then, um, that next week is when I started, you know, no alcohol and I did my prescription meds and, um, boy, was it awful. Um, I was so, I had such a bad headache and I drank wine, um, probably a little bit more during January and December than normal. Um, but you know, nothing like a heavy, heavy drinker, nothing like a whole bottle a night, you know, all the time, (laughs) nothing like that. And I was surprised that I think I was having withdrawals because I had a headache for eight days. I clocked it at eight days and I just felt awful. I felt so, um, tired, irritable. And then, you know, I was taking half the dose of the pills because I was just wanting to ease in on it, you know? And so by the seventh day, I was like, I can't, this is awful. This is horrible. Nothing's helping. I feel worse than ever. I'm just lying around. I like had no energy. Like I can't even explain how awful I felt. Um, so I talked to the psychiatrist online, um, you know, through hers and he was like, you got to give it two weeks. You just have to give it two weeks. This stuff always happens for everyone. It's a hard go. And then it'll just, you know, you'll break through and you'll feel better. And so I was hopeful, you know, so I went with it and I went the full two weeks and on the the 14th day, I was like, can't do it. Not going to happen. And I have to commend them. They were such a good company to work with because, um, he was listening to me like another, cause I've taken meds like three other times or two other times, um, with other psychiatrists and they don't care. It's a little, it's different. And I'm not saying I shouldn't say they don't care. Like all don't care. There's some people that you'll find that do care. But the last few times that I've had this, it's just like, that's all I can do for you. Sorry. And, and it's like, okay, well, that doesn't help. You know, there's just such a disconnect with our mental health care. It's just, and I don't know, maybe it was just, I had bad experiences, but I just never, I never could find the right medication. And, and I always would quit because it felt like this. I don't like feeling like something, somebody else, you know? So this time I went on there and I said, I cannot do this. I feel awful. And so they said, stop taking it. And they told me to, that they told me that they're going to send another prescription. So I I don't know if it was, gosh, I don't know what, it was a generic something. And so they were going to send a generic something else. (laughs) So anyway, so, um, long story long between the time that I decided that wasn't going to work for me, the first pill and the time that I got the second pill in the mail, I decided that I didn't want to go through that again. And I can be pretty stubborn, but I also was like, 
I stopped drinking alcohol and that felt good. So like once I stopped the medication and then that wore off, you know, the, the, the whole, the whole experience wore off, you know, it was like, I think it was like two weeks before I got the new medication. So after like a week, um, you know, being off of the old medication and being sober, you know, not drinking anything, I just felt so much clearer. Like my mind was clear. I was just like, I can just do this. So I decided that I would just stop drinking alcohol. So I made it a goal to stop drinking until April 1st because I had joined a winery in December and their pickup party or their spring event was on April 1st. And so I wanted to, you know, make sure and um, not drink until then. I love the social aspect of wine. um, And it's so much fun to go to the pickup parties and all that. So I wasn't going to give that up. um, But I wanted to just see if I could go. It turned out to be 53 days because I actually stopped um, on the 30th of March. Uh, because March 31st, I went over to my mom's uh, for dinner and I had a red wine that night. Um, and what was surprising to me is that it was good, but it wasn't great. It wasn't like what I remembered it. And I kept drinking that night, uh, trying to get the taste that I remembered and it didn't come. Um, and so I woke up with a little headache Um, but then we went, we had a good breakfast and then we went to the pickup party and that was really good wine. It was really crisp and cold, like Chardonnay and Rosé. That was fun. And so we ended up going to another winery after that. And I really enjoyed all the tastings and it was, it was good. And then I think I drank some wine when we got back. And then, um, I had some Rosés that I had bought And then a red wine that I had on hand here that I drank between April 1st and now. So I think, I don't know, for the last 12 days I've had three bottles of wine. um, And, you know, and a lot of the nights I didn't drink wine. So I'm a heavy pourer, probably half a bottle a night. Um, Yeah. But that's like improvement. Like, because I used to have a half a bottle not every night, but most nights, you know? And so, um, yeah. And so now like last night I didn't have any, and I don't, I don't crave it. And I, I do have to say, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to give it up because I do like it. And there's certain wines that I love and whatever, but it's just not like the same as it was, which is so cool. Cause it's like, now I have some ginger beer from Target. It has like zero, it's like light ginger beer. It has like zero everything. So it's like just something that, you know, tickles my senses, but doesn't have to intoxicate me or make me feel different. And in fact, I don't, I, I haven't been going to the wines to make me feel different. You know what I mean? Like it was just like, oh, it's here. I better drink it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, we don't have a lot of storage here either. So, like, I have no business really having a lot of wine. Um, I have, like, five bottles, you know, here on hand. And so that just shows, like, I have more willpower because, to me, it's wine. Like, it is more expensive. 
whatever, but I still, if I'm going to drink wine, I'll drink whatever. You know what I mean? I'm not really snobby about it. And so it's like, I already paid for that. Like, just pull it out. Let's drink it. But I'm not, you know, it's there. It's, I put it in a cool spot and that's pretty much like, I can probably add a, probably one or two bottles to that storage, but that's like it, you know? And then our fridge is so small, our little tiny home. And so we, um, you know, it's not conducive to, to have a lot of wine bottles in there. So that's good. And it was a good lesson for me because it showed me that I can stop and it showed me that sometimes it was just something to do, you know, like it wasn't even necessary. I don't know. Um, I mean, I love the taste of wine. Like, don't get me wrong. It just wasn't when I went back to it. I don't know if it was a choice like that red wine. It was too dry when I started. I don't know, but it was just, I was like, oh, this is it. Okay. And then having a headache when you wake up the next day, that's never fun. Um, so anyways, that, that whole journey turned into a, can I stop drinking thing? And I went 53 days and I can. And so I like the way that I felt without the alcohol. My mind was clearer. My mornings were happier. I didn't feel the drag from what I had consumed. And that can happen with like food too. Like, you know, when you eat crap, it's like you wake up and you're like, ugh. but I just like the, the lightness I felt. And, you know, going forward, you know, the January to February was the darkest time ever. February was figuring this all out. And then March was like, you know, the bulk of it, of just being free and clear. And March was a really cool month for me. Like it, you know, it was a lot of learning, a lot of hardships because I did crave and it's like, you know, it's just like something you like to have. It's, it's like the experience for me more than the actual, um, I don't know, the actual taste or I mean, I do like the taste, but you know what I mean? I don't need to wind down. (laughs) I like to have a glass of wine and like go sit in the sunset, you know, watch that. But it's not necessary. I can go watch the sunset and still feel that same thing. That's what I learned. I'm sorry, my voice was getting a little crazy there because of the allergies. But yeah, so I learned I could go watch the sunset without needing the glass of wine, you know? Stuff like that. And just, um, it's just like a habit that forms, you know, because you're, you're used to, okay, it's five o'clock. Let's open that wine or let's grab a beer or whatever, just to like end the day and chill you out, you know, but there's so many cool things that I've learned, like walking through nature chills me out, you know, or listening to music. And what I came up with in this time is that I have non-negotiables. My brother uses this term a lot and it's, they can change. This, these non-negotiables are what I need right now, but they could change tomorrow. But I found out that my best days include music and singing normally. Like if I'm singing, I'm so happy. But music, creativity, and nature. So when I looked back on March 
And I go, what was the best parts of March for me? Like what days were the best and then why? It all had to do with music, nature, and creativity. And so those became, they're now my non-negotiables. And that those are the three things that I need for my day to be its best. So sometimes I, I, you know, sometimes there's lots to do and I don't get those in my day. So it doesn't mean that my day is crap, but it just means that my optimal happiness is when I have those three things. And so I do my very best to have those three things. You know what I mean? It's just the things that I'm prioritizing. So that's what I did is I just looked back at my best days and I go, what was in those days? And then I just wrote down the non-negotiables. It was really quite easy. So I highly recommend it because we all deserve to be happy, you know, or have happiness in our day and feel good about our day. Um, My favorite time was when those three things aligned. So I don't know what day it was, but it was after the rain, um, like four or five days after. And I just walked for like a long time. (laughs) I just went on a long walk in nature. And, um, yeah, I just had the music in my ears and I was singing at the top of my lungs and I was taking pictures of mushrooms and, trees and flowers and landscape and bees and I was just so happy and that was everything all at once you know there's that again everything all at once um but yeah you know it was creativity music and nature all wrapped into one and those days like that was only like an hour and a half to two hours of my day and it made my day you know So I just think that finding what makes you thrive is beneficial, you know, to keep you alive. Hey, (laughs) it's just so good for you. Um, But yeah, so I think that, you know, the fog is lifted a bit. I'm not out of the woods. I still have sadness. Um, I had sadness today, this morning. I was crying. Uh, our strays wanted to be fed where they used to be fed when they were five, fivefold, <laughs> when all five of them would come and eat, um, they decided they wanted to be fed in that spot again today. And I just got really emotional and I didn't expect it. I just imagined them all there again. And I had a little nostalgia, which I'm not big on, you know, I always want to stay in the moment where we're at, don't long for what was, but, you know, there was a little piece of me that was like, oh, remember when everybody was here? And so it was cute. It was really cute. And it was a gift um, to see. And, And so I cried and I cried for a while and then I stopped crying and then I cried again. And that sadness, you know, when you can pinpoint why you're crying and you can feel the feelings and you can have the emotion. To me, that's sadness. Um, and it, you know, it, it's done now. Like, I'm, I'm not sad about it anymore. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. But, yeah, so that's not depression. But I, I go through, I go through sadness spells like that where I just 
get really teary and, you know, but most of it can be, I mean, all of it. Lately, all of the things that I feel I can trace to why and I can work through it. That's why depression is so scary and so hard because you don't know where it's coming from sometimes, most of the times, and you you don't have the energy or the space, the mind capacity to like do the work to figure out how to get out. It's more chemical, it's more it's more work. It's hard. So anyhow. Um but yeah, the fog is definitely lifting. I, I'm feeling like I'm finding my way back towards what, you know, what exactly? I, I don't know. I have a purpose. I'm working with AAAD, Athletes Against Anxiety and Depression. And that's really helpful because it takes some of these thoughts and ideas and puts them into tools for, you know, people struggling and it helps me like it's stuff that I'm creating that I need to hear. You know what I mean? So that's cool. I've been taking a lot of photography, um, a lot of photographs, I mean, <laughs> uh, mostly of mushrooms. It's kind of funny, but um, we had so many mushrooms. And so I watched a documentary, Fantastic Fun Guy, and I got so enveloped in mushrooms and I still am. Like, I was really sad because the sun has been out for a while and now they've shriveled up a bunch. So I, I got to go and pull back the, the bark and see if I can find some hidden because uh, the ground is still pretty, pretty moist. So, but I got so many pictures of mushrooms, like, oh, probably 200. Um, and I love it because it's like some of them are like the size of my, my thumbnail and because I'm crazy person and I lay on the ground and like, I'm all about perspective, you know, they look like they're 10 feet tall. It's so cool. Um, and I do it all on my phone. It's, it's so much fun. Um, I'm not a, like a photographer, but some of these pictures, I just like come home, like, cause I take pictures. I don't look when I'm out there. I just take them and then I sit down and I go through them and I'm like, what do I think? And some of them, I'm just like, oh my God, who took these? Like, what? I get so lucky. So, and I know, I, I mean, I never give myself credit, but I, I have a perspective, like, like, you know, I do have a different perspective. I like to get different angles and stuff. And so what have you, but it's just picture taking, like it's nothing amazing, <laughs> but I love it. I love it so much. And so I got a book for my birthday. It's like a journal. And so I turned it into a mushroom forager journal and I have sticker paper. And so I put all my photos onto stickers and then I'm going to put them in the book. Yeah, I got to categorize them, put the like ones together. And then I have another book called how to forage for mushrooms and not die. thought that was hilarious. Then I got from Amazon and then I'm going to see which mushrooms we have, you know, and like what kind they are and are they okay to eat and what are they good for? And it's just one of the things I want to do. It, time is fleeting, man. It's crazy. But I, um, yeah, I've, I, you know, reached a goal and I was really proud of myself for reaching that goal. And the fog is lifting. You know, when you, when you commit to something, and you feel better and you 
see your progress and you see the completion of something that you didn't think you were able to do, it's, it's good for you. It's like, I always got annoyed with people that were so goal centric, goal oriented, like write down the list of goals and make sure you, you know, but I would always do it. Like, honestly, I'd be like, okay, but then I would always hate myself because I wasn't, that's just not, my brain doesn't work that way. Like, like to have a big list of goals and then get them done. Like it's, eh, I don't know. It's just not, it's a lot of pressure. And I, but I do find the merit in honing in on one goal. Like for me, that's how it has to be. Like I can't have a list of a ton of goals. Um, I do make to-do lists each week and I guess those are mini goals, but like, I don't know, like big things, you know, that's why I haven't finished a book, (laughs) writing a book. It's hard. It's, um, it's, I don't know. My mind just doesn't big things like that. It's, it's hard, but I have to say that, you know, having a timeline, you know, so this was a smart goal. They always talk about smart goals. This had a timeline. This had an achievement. There's like the whole thing to it, like the whole workings of what a goal needs to have. This had it and I achieved it. So, you know, it's worth noting and giving myself a pat on the back because I think all victories should be celebrated. Um, But I also, you know, think that if I can do this, then I should be able to try and implement it into other things. So I'm working on it, but I'm also really good if I just hone in on one thing at a time. So I don't know. Um, but with, with all this time, you know, reflecting and not pushing emotions down and such, I was able to be more clear about like what, you know, what drags me down the most, I guess. And I know that the depression, I can't pinpoint exactly what it was. It was like, like I said, everything all at once. Um, but the, the little trigger points that really, you know, do change my mood or make me sad. I was able to sit and figure those out. Um, and to figure out what role I play and what am I focusing on. And it's something that's really helpful, um, to kind of just take a look at what, what is going on. (laughs) I don't know. Sounds funny, but like when the fog lifted and I could see clear, um, shame entered. Shame is just the littlest shit in my head. He is such a pain in the ass. And, um, yeah, it reminds me of that, uh, that new show on Hulu up here where they have all the voices. Um, it's definitely what, what I feel and experience. So I thought it was such a, a creative show on how our voices in our head shape what we do and what our choices are and, and what we think and feel. And, oh my goodness. Um, and how we can actually tell those voices to shut the hell up. Like, what a gift. Like, they're teaching people through a musical um, with a cute little Mae Whitman. I love her so much. She, and I always say cute little, like, she's grown up now. But I watched her in my favorite movie, Hope Floats, one of my all-time favorites. Um, and then she was in Friends and One Fine Day as a little child actress. 
actress. Um, and she's just dynamite though. She was in Spurgatory and Parenthood. She's an amazing actress. So anyways, and it was cool to see cause I know she loves to sing. And so it was neat to see her sing. Um, if you haven't watched it, it's really cute and it's really telling of the voices in our head, you know, and it's something I really want to work on is like reshaping how I talk to myself. And I mean, it's been a lifelong battle and I know everyone can relate. Um, it's just the, the guilt, you know, and I don't know the, the guilt of not, so there's shame. Okay. So shame to me is when you're, you're stating that you suck, like uh, you're a piece of shit. Um, why are you such a bad person? You know, when you're like putting labels all over yourself that are harmful and hurtful to me, that's shame. And like, it's about your whole being. It's not having to do with anything that you did per se. I mean, it does, it does have to do with action, but, but instead of like saying, Oh, you shouldn't have done that blah, 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 and feeling guilty about that, that's guilt, like feeling guilty, I shouldn't have said that, oh my gosh, I feel so bad, whatever, that's fine, those are great emotions, because, um, you know, as long as you don't, (laughs) you don't feel guilty about everything, um, but that's more healthy, you know, shame, you, you're a piece of shit, you're a bad person, you, you're, you know, playing the victim. You're when you label your whole persona um, and your whole being. How do you how do you come away from that? How do you remedy that? How do you work through that? You know, you're saying that you're this type of per. It's just not um, not healthy. So, guilt, you know, can be about something that you have done or said. And you can take action to rectify that and make it better. So, but I've been thinking a lot about shame and guilt because, you know, there's some, there's some people, unfortunately, in, in life that you just don't mix with, like oil and water. And you try so hard and, I mean, I do, I try so hard and then I sometimes, you know, the worst thing is that you're not being completely transparent and explaining that this isn't working for me. You know what I mean? And then by the time that it really doesn't work, you blow up and it gets all bad. So that is something to work on because not everything is, is my fault, but like the common denominator is me. So like, you know, if I am missing out on an interaction because there's going to be a little pocket of negative energy there, that's, me missing out, you know, and it has nothing to do, like, I like to work from the present, you know, like, so right here and now, I'm gonna start from right here and now, you know, but it's like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like anxiety rearing its head of saying, you know, it's probably gonna be there again, that anxiety is, I mean, that negativity is probably gonna be there again, And so it's like these little trigger warnings. And so then you miss out because you can't handle it or you make yourself sick or that's just my own personal thing is I can make myself sick. A lot of the time I make myself sick and I'm worried about the detrimental long-term effects because like nobody's hurting but me, you know, 
and it doesn't do anybody any good and not even myself. So I need to figure out how to be able to be a consistent person, one person, my one true self in every aspect, you know, in every realm and every interaction and every event, you know, get together, whatever, just to be able to not have to feel like I have to put on another face or make things better or sugarcoat, but just be genuinely okay and, and on with it. You know what I mean? Like I have such a hard time. And as an adult, as you get older, I think, I don't know, for me, I just don't want to have personas. I want to be this one person in every group. I don't want to have to put on this face for this group and like make sure this person is paid attention to because, you know, it's just a lot of work. Um, and I'm tired. Um, I was talking earlier about adapt fatigue and like, I think I'm just so tired of having to pivot or change or shape shift or I don't know, just bend over backwards, you know, for others. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I feel like I have adapt fatigue. (laughs) That sounds silly, but I don't know. I just feel like a lot of people, uh, do exactly as they please and what they need. And, you know, I'm always like, did everybody get a cookie from this plate? Okay. If y'all got one, then I can take one now, you know, that kind of thing. And it, and it doesn't, it doesn't help anyone really. I just end up without a cookie sometimes. So, (laughs) oh, I don't know. It's just been a lot, but the common denominator is me. So I have to figure out how, you know, to better navigate in these muddy waters. Um, and then I just, I also just get resentful and this is an ugly part of humanity. So here we go. I get resentful at showing up for people and then not having them show up for me when, when I need something. And then, you know, as as soon as I said that out loud right now, my brain went, but how, how are they supposed to know that you need them? And it's absolutely true. Um, it's absolutely true. But I don't know. Like, I pay attention uh, to the people that I care about. Like, you know, in my day-to-day surroundings and as best I can in other surroundings. Um, I just pay attention to patterns and routine. And if it's different, I investigate. And I am curious and I'm like, are you okay? You're not doing this, that, and the other. And these last three months, my routine has been completely different. And my, you know, pleasing ability is not there. And I'm not at a lot of things. I've been absent and just kind of figuring it out. And I've been not well. Like, I do make myself sick. I don't know. I thought I had kidney stones last week. And then on Easter, I slept for like six hours. No, I guess like four hours. But you know what I mean. I just don't feel good. And I don't know. I just don't. Um, it's not. 
It sounds like, oh, you want attention for that. I don't want attention for that. All I'm saying is I give attention and I pay attention and I consider other people. And sometimes I just don't feel like I even exist sometimes, you know, my core, my core people always check in and, and the people that, you know, the people that matter are there and it's all good, but it's just like, I've inquired and I've been curious and I've investigated, you know, and I've put hours in with certain people and like listen to all the things. And then you go to say something remotely about yourself and it's like, wow, okay, I guess this is just a one way street. And so you just kind of have to learn that you just shouldn't like expectations for one are just bogus and and that's the big human flaw we all have is expecting that everyone would be like you when it's like the beauty of humanity is that we're all different so why would we ever want everyone to navigate through the world like us but it's just hard to then be accepting of different ways that don't seem considerate or kind, or caring, or compassionate of others, you know, it's a real hard one for me, and I know I've talked about it on here, but it's like, that's what I really want to strive to be, is someone who doesn't judge someone who judges, and doesn't, you know, just see anybody in a negative light, because they don't operate the way in the way of kindness, but it's so hard to be kind to the unkind. And it's so important. Like it is so important for us all to be kind, especially to the unkind because they have been lacking it in some aspect. And that is why they're being that way. And I just, I just, it's one of my life's goals and it's so hard. Um, but I'll get there. I think that might be the secret of life. I don't know. There's many that I have theories about. (laughs) But, yeah. I don't know. It's just, you know, you you try and be there for people and you kind of want that back. You know? And I don't need it to the, the, the same degree or anything, but just like a little bit of care and concern. It's just a little sad. Yeah, so anyways, on one of these days when I was feeling just so introverted and so sad and so upset and I just didn't know what to do with myself, I was like, you know what, I need to go outside. The, the nature walks help me. And so I went outside and I avoided seeing anybody that was outside and like I purposely avoided and I felt so bad about it. And I was just like trying not to let that ruin the walk of my guilt, and my shame for not being amicable and friendly and outgoing. Um, and then I got back in and I snuck back in, you know, I just can't, sometimes I just don't have the capacity to chit chat or just be, be friendly, you know, lately lately. And so, yeah, lately. (laughs) 
So anyways, I got back inside and I was making myself something to eat and I, uh, just out loud, just out of my mouth came, you deserve what you need. You did nothing wrong. You deserve what you need. You did nothing wrong. And it was like this huge weight lifted. It was like my inner child like heard that and was like, you see me, you get me. And I started crying like pools of pools of tears. Um, but I just felt seen like I, and by my, by me, you know, like by myself, like, like so often we're looking for outside approval, outside whatever. And it's like, we just need it from within. And that is so cliche. And I was like, yeah, okay. And it's so true. Like, as soon as I felt that I was like, oh, that's, that's true. Like, and it's a work in progress. Like that didn't just cure me to believing that, you know, it's from the inside out, but it was like, wow, you deserve what you need. You did nothing wrong. And I've tried to continue that mantra, you know, whenever I feel guilty, it's like so much of what I feel guilty for or what I feel shame for is like everyone else is doing the same thing and not having gain, you know, not having guilt or shame. And I don't know. Like what I mean is like some of the stuff that I have guilt about is so trivial and is so in the past that is like, you know, I don't know. It's just ah, so hard to be human, but yeah, it's just, I don't feel deserving of anything. Oh my gosh. That's awful. But it's true. I don't feel deserving of anything. Like I don't know. That's why everyone gets a cookie before I go to the plate. Like, I don't know where that comes from. And that's something I'm really wanting to discover and learn. And I just don't deserve. I just don't think I deserve certain things, you know, and some people have shown me that I don't. And I feel like that got ingrained, you know. And so even when I get it, like love or compliments or appreciation or you know care concern sometimes it's like well that's you know I wanted that so bad and it's not even penetrating the surface you know what I mean oh my gosh I don't know but yeah the deserving of anything it's like I feel like anybody who is a human deserves basic rights and freedoms um yeah and there's just such a disconnect with like like you have to earn everything in life it's like I feel like you have to unearn it like to me everybody starts with a with a crisp slate like I don't know you start with you deserve respect love care all that stuff and then you know you can unearn it by being mean or, you know, whatever. But the thing is, is, I say that, but as soon as I say that, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that everyone deserves respect and dignity and love, even in their harshest moments. And that's what, that's what the true, you know, I, I don't, the core of humanity is, is to be able to, like, 
show love and kindness to people that are doing awful things because there's nothing without reason. And, and again, like responsibility and consequence will follow (laughs) because you can't just do bad things, um, and not get away with it. But to understand that, I don't know, there's reasons for everybody's stuff, you know, and like, you know, murderers, I can't, I don't, it's so hard, but there's like, there's these amazing people that like their child gets murdered and they're able to go to the murderer in prison and make amends and hold their hand and, and I don't have that in me and I would love to have that in me because compassion you know, for all means those that are flawed and flaws are from tiny things to crazy ass things like, you know, hurting other people. And so, um, it's just a crazy time. (laughs) There's just so many, uh, facets to our world now that I'm so grateful to have grown up in the the 80s and the 90s where it was just a little less noisy because, you know, it's a lot. And I, I wouldn't have survived as a kid. Like, I would have probably gone to a mental health facility because I, I if I was under the scrutiny that all the kids are under right now, that is just, um, it's so painful to, to see, you know, how much because it's just constant. It's never ending. Like it used to be, you went to school, people would pick on you and you go home, you tell your mom and that would be it, you know? And maybe somebody would like crank call and do something mean over the phone, but you could hang up and it was done. And now it's like social media, you know, it's just sitting there. So like you could post something about someone really cruelly and it'll live there. And that person could go back and see it again and hurt again. And it, and then other people couldn't write and it's just a, a volatile world. So, um, yeah, that whole kindness, kindness to the unkind is just such a goal to strive for, but it's really, you know, it's really hard because we need kindness and it's like, it's just that the unkind need to be loved, you know, and that's the problem is that we shun certain people and then they get so, um, blocked, you know, into a world of their own and they create narratives and bad things happen. And it's just been really hard to watch. I don't know. I went off on a major tangent there, but, um, within this time, there's been like a lot of just like little trials and tribulations like that everyone has been going through, like all across the board. Like it feels like nobody is safe from (laughs) just little things too, that are just nagging and like, Every time you feel you got the the strings tied, then somebody cuts them, you know, that kind of thing. So I was helping someone with um, a problem 
they had come to me to vent and they wanted help. They wanted help. And so I was just trying to help, you know, to make it as peaceful (laughs) and less confrontational for them and trying to help fix the problem. So within all this time, there was a bit of turmoil that was going on that I was hearing and listening to and I wanted to, you know, help because they needed help, I thought. Um, And this was just a circumstance where I interjected and I got really concerned and um you know just really people I care about I wanted to make sure that they were okay and it wasn't my place to do anything you know what I mean it's not my it wasn't my my battle to fight <laughs> um but I was there to help to you know listen and then to help formulate whatever needed to be formulated um, because I was asked for help, what have you. Well, what happened was is that a little bit of help happened um, and then towards, it was like fatigue. It's like that whole word I was saying about adapt fatigue. It was like compassion fatigue on this side of it. it and what had happened was it was like, not compassion fatigue, but like just over all the drama, you know, just like, oh, I don't want to have to deal with anything else. And so what had, what had been portrayed to me is that everything's fine. Why are we still talking about this? And I don't know if anybody's ever experienced something like that, but it just really jarred me for a minute because I'm not the kind of person that tries to fix other people's problems, you know, like that's, I'm not a busybody in that respect. I don't think so. If anybody else has a different opinion, I would love to hear it, but I don't, it's, if it's not my lane, I try and stay out of it. But when somebody asks me to help, then I'm going to give, you know, my help because I care about the people I love and, and I felt like I could help. So, you know, when it came to a head and it was like, everything's fine. Why are we still talking about this? And you're going like, wait, like it was like a gaslighting thing on a smaller scale than like a a real gaslighter. It wasn't that bad of a situation, but it was definitely, I felt gaslit, um, to a degree, you know, I felt like you wanted my help and everything. And then now everything's fine. And why are you stirring the pot and stuff like that? So, I don't know if anyone's ever experienced that, but I just um, got thrown for a loop. I just felt like, wow, I'm a meddler, you know? And then I started to shame myself for being a meddler. And then I, I, I was really, the reason I'm bringing this up is I was really proud of myself because I was able to talk to other um, confidants and you know, seek their knowledge and wisdom about the situation. And then I was able to write a poem and then move on. Like usually I'll stew longer if something hurts me that bad, especially with whom it was. Cause it was like, wait, what? You know, my intentions, you know who I am. And so 
I was really, you know, worried about it. Um, so anyway, so I, I wrote a poem about it. Um, and I, I loved the poem. And so I thought I'd read it. It was just about, you know, one of the experiences I've had in the last three months that kind of shook me. (laughs) In the weeds always look like flowers to me. Making the most of what is presented, why hold on to a ghost and then resent it? Bait and switch, consistency only found in nature. Tiring of it, was I looking for pots to stir? Benevolent woodland creatures assured me I wasn't. They've been out there in the thicket before. It just feels right until it doesn't, and I don't want to ride this roller coaster anymore. In the weeds, searching for the planted seeds that sent me on this quest. How did I end up here, a soldier walking aimless? A white flag I didn't see. No one told me all clear. Ups and downs, understandable terrain, but I looked around and only I was still in pain. In a battle not my own, consideration my badge of honor. I stubbornly clutch it as I sit alone, or create more distance as I wander. From I need your help to, you're on your own. In the weeds, I am free. From all the human plight. In the weeds, I concede. It wasn't even my fight. So that's just a little poem that I wrote about it, because it just really took me for a loop, and... And I was in nature, like, trying to, you know, come to terms with it. And so a lot of nature symbolism. But, um, but yeah, that one just just threw me for a loop. Um, and I, I've been into this term gaslighting a lot because, I mean, one, I just really found out what it meant um, when, what was it, um... The Dixie Chicks did that song Gaslighter. And then there was an SNL skit, too, that was pretty hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Because basically the term Gaslighter comes from uh, an old story, I guess, where this guy was trying to make his wife go insane, which is like, what the heck? (laughs) But um, he would just turn down the light. So, like, it was like an old um, oil lantern. And so you kind of, like, turned it and it would turn down the the flame and the oil, what have you, it would make it dim. And he kept doing that. And then she would say, did you turn down the light? And he would say, no, I didn't. And so it was like, um, you know, no, he would say, no, I didn't. You're just imagining things, that kind of thing. And so it's that kind of thing where someone, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows what a gaslighter is by now, but you know, it's where you are telling your truth and then someone t- tells you it's wrong and then they give you the, a different kind of truth to, to know. You know what I mean? Like, you must be imagining things. It's like, oh my gosh. And it's just been something I've just been noticing that it's actually a lot more common than than I realized. I thought it was like a real devious person would do it. You know what I mean? And it's actually something that people do subconsciously all the time, like to try and get you to think their way or to try and, you know, keep you down from 
from your truth or, you know, pull your truth away from you and try and downplay your experiences so that theirs can be, you know, tried and true. So it's, it's been interesting. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, so there are just so many ways that we interact with each other and there are, you know, people that make you feel less than or, you know, feel shitty (laughs) or, you know, say things without thinking them through. Um, and my brother and I were talking and he had such a good point is like what we add value to is something that we can control. So like if someone is shitty to you, you can either be like, what an asshole, I hate him and have all this anger, which end up, you know, ends up leading to guilt or shame where you feel bad for judging. Most of us do. Like we don't want to judge other people. Um, but you know, just adding the value of, I'm so glad that that's not how I move through the world. You know, it's like such a more positive approach and it's actually boosting you up and, and not in like a superficial way or anything, but just like changing the way your brain frames that interaction, you know? Because what I've noticed is a lot of this mental health work is your own voice in your head that needs to be restructured so that you don't harm yourself and you become your best friend and you become someone who would, you know, lift you up instead of put you down. And um, it's, it's just fascinating, but it is definitely something that you can control. And for the longest time... I'd be so annoyed with people who say, control your emotions, you know? Um, And, like, if I say something to you that you don't like, that's not on me because you should learn to control your emotions or learn to, um, or however you take it is on you, you know? And I have to say that I think we should all be kind. Like, (laughs) I don't like that whole idea of, I can say whatever I want to you um, and it's up to you how you take it because unkindness is unkindness is unkind. Like tough love is just a awful sorry excuse to be mean. I know I've said this on here before. I don't believe in tough love. I think that, um, what do they call it? Um, I don't know. There's an expression. And I can't think of it. Where sugar, bees and honey, I don't know. But you can get more bees with honey, right? Something like that. Than vinegar. I think that's the expression. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like to me, you can actually get further with a person if you're kind. And um, yeah, so I don't know. But it's just funny how we can train our brains how we see things, but I mean, it takes time. And like, I still don't think that everything is up to you in your head. Like if someone says something that's just gut wrenching, that's not cool. Like things don't need to like, and actually I guess it is up to you. Like if you put value on that is that they're, they're mean. And 99% of the time I'd say, yeah, 
Like, there's no reason to be cruel to people. There's just not. And I know subconsciously sometimes we say things that we regret. And and as long as you realize that and apologize and everything, that's awesome. Um, I don't think that everyone is an awful person or anything that says mean things. But I'm just saying that, you know, a lot of the times the gaslighters, see, will tell you that your feelings are, you know, your problem, but the feelings can come from real mean things said, like, and you're allowed to feel that, like, so that's where I have such a hard time, is like, you know, gaslighting is like telling someone their feelings don't matter, and then the reality of the gaslighter is the only one that matters, and it's like, no, I'm allowed to have feelings just as you're allowed to have feelings, you do what you want to do, and I'm allowed to as well. And that's something I'm working on because I haven't felt deserving, like I said, of anything. And so, you know, it's hard when you don't feel like you have a stake anywhere, then you don't have one. So you really need to claim that for yourself. It's just that simple. And so, like, when my insecurities come out to play, it's because I'm insecure because I don't have you know, a secure foundation within myself to allow for me to feel like I should have a seat at the table or whatever, you know, whatever it's in, in response to or what have you. But, um, yeah. And so to, it's so important to speak up when you don't feel that someone was nice to you because, like, in my most recent experiences is I did not, and then finally it was, like, the eighth time, and I just blew up, you know? And I'm, if you guys saw my blow up, you would think I was hilarious, because I don't blow up, you know? I just, I don't, I don't get that angry, but I just, um, I've been really angry on the inside. I want a punching bag so bad. I really want a punching bag. There's just a lot of anger in me that um, has come up just from, you know, a life of 42 years. There's just like a lot of things that, I don't know, there's just narratives that have been creative and I don't know, just like, you know, the greed of the world and the, the greed of humanity, really, because power, greed... Um, just the things that have been going on, it's just, um, yeah, in my own world and in the outside world, it's just like power and greed. I mean, those are just like the two themes right now that I'm, I'm finished with. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very much of the mind. If you have money, then use it. Because I don't have tomorrow promised to me. So I'm not a good saver. And I, if I, like these cats, they're costing me. I don't know. I tried to figure it out yesterday. Because I was like, oh my God. What was I doing here? But it, we've been here almost a year and a half. Feels like so much longer. And in October it'll be two years. So if you figure out the cat food. And then, luckily, the other spay and neuter things 
were free with the feline network shout out to those amazing people um but this guy right here and then our own cat we're easily looking at like through thirty five hundred dollars because i'm a crazy person well and that includes the bird seed too because i feed the birds toppins the bag toppins i feed the birds i love the birds and yeah yeah and i don't feed these cats crap food because i just figure if they're out there and you know they're in the wilderness like i want them to have as much strength and good guts you know good health as possible and like i can't do anything else for them really so i mean it's not like crazy like our cat has to have special food that's crazy that's like so expensive so actually i really did i put hers yeah hers in there too yeah but anyways it's worth it um and sometimes i think no it's not they're so annoying these cats but they're so not they're so worth it i just you know it just breaks my heart that i can't just you know build a house and or build a garage and have have them in there safe and then get them the proper care they need and everything but it is what it is and you know they're total strays now like you know maybe if I would have caught them right away but we tried <laughs> like with the two that are out there right now we tried so hard um I mean banjo we we did get and we got him fixed but he was so stray like you could barely handle him so like I wouldn't it'd be so sad to me to break them up you know the siblings and then him you know end up back at the facility and not being adopted because he's not people you know people friendly so I don't know I still have I have these dreams like every other night where we build this enclosure there's like this kennel company that makes these cat enclosures it's like five thousand dollars it's it's crazy, but, um, it's huge. They're long and you can kind of create them however you want. And they have like catwalks and like places for them to sleep, but they can be outside and totally protected. The one that I have in my dream though is custom made for us. And it's like $50,000 because it's all along the property so that they could still do everything they always do. And like up into a tree, like in my dream, it's like the best dream of all the dreams like I just I just love them so much and it's just one of those things where you know the cost of love is lost and so I hope to God they stay healthy and happy and and this all works out and uh they can live out their days like they want and hopefully maybe I'll have the means sometime to to get them something that's safe for them and we can all live as a happy family and the thing about it is, though, is that they don't live as long as we do. So I will have to say goodbye to them at some point, you know. And so it's just one of those things. It's like no one wants to think about it or talk about it. But it's just like it's agony. These beautiful creatures, you know. And they found us. It's been really like Percy. It's been really sweet because we got him fixed and 
he's been sleeping on me and my cat hates him though. They had a big old fight last night. So we're trying to figure out a way to get him back outside. Um, but like right now he's over there sleeping and he's so gorgeous and he's so appreciative and I just wish they got along cause I don't want it at the expense of my cat. So we want him to go back outside and he wants to go back outside. He loves outside, but, um, you know, he had liver stuff that he's on antibiotics for, and then we didn't, we weren't able to get him his shots properly. And so just a lot of, it's just so stressful, you know, that's all. It's like, you can't just talk to him and be like, what hurts? And like, I don't know, but we do what we can. And I love them. I, this morning, like I said, they just melted my heart. So But that's pretty much life right now. Like, I'm just trying to, you know, think of a new goal. Probably no sugar. I I need it to be no sugar for like 60 days. Lose some weight and stop. You know, sugar's not good for you. And but I love sugar. Like, I want to make chocolate chip cupcakes. (laughs) Oh, but um. Just focusing on like the anxiety and depression stuff for AAAD is good because it gives me an outlet that I create things that I need to hear and that's really helpful. Um, and then, you know, just trying to get into nature more and just try and keep things of a vein of creativity. I have lots of fun things to do. For friends, packages, letters, and I just love that part of life, the creative part of making something that brings people joy, uh, writing my poetry, which brings me so much relief in my brain once I get it out like that. I kind of take a deep breath and it's usually gone, sometimes not, but most of the time it really helps. And yeah, just just trying to be one with nature, you know. So much so much beautiful so much more beautiful outside now. Um I always love the rain and now I take it all back. I if it never rains again, no, I'm just kidding. We need the rain, but um yeah, it just that was a hard couple months, you know. It was like you'd make it through and then we have to fix the road and then here's another rainstorm I have to fix the road I mean I didn't fix the road I'm I'm not I had no capacity to do that unfortunately um but you know I cared for the person who was out there fixing the road and and there were other things that were just um you know hard on everyone like I don't know. It was like a mini COVID. Like you're stuck inside. Like it, cause it was windy. Like rain is cool. I like rain, but when it's windy, it's not fun. It's just like, and you're, you know, you can't do anything. Oh, and speaking of wind, here comes the wind. They said it was going to be 40 mile an hour winds this afternoon. I was going to let Percy go outside today. And then I'm like, he's going to be so sad. He's going to be like, they just put me out in the wind. They hate me. It's like, oh, but I hate when cats fight. Oh my gosh. It's hurts my heart. I wish they could just love each other, but 
Paisley's so gun shy now because, I mean, she is the one that was beating up on him for like the last week and a half. And then last night it was just she came up on him and he didn't, he just got scared. He didn't know she was there. And they went, Ugh, it's horrible. Anyways, I guess that is all for now. I, um, I thank you for listening and for, I don't know, my jumbled human mess of a being. (laughs) It's just real. It's just, it's, I don't know. And I, I don't know who said it, but somebody was like, well, if you just had a kid, then you wouldn't be so self-centered. And oh my goodness. I respectfully decline that comment. Like, I don't know why that just came up, but I just, I was just looking around at my house actually. And I was like, wow, looks like a kid lives here. There's like, I just love colorful stuff and I have our stuff everywhere. And and I was like, oh, we don't have a kid. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's not the answer to everything. You know what I mean? I'm, I, for anyone who has a child, it's amazing. I'm so happy. Everyone, like there's nothing but love there. It's so cool. And I can't even imagine what that experience is like. It's just that, um, I am already so scared for, for myself that I can't imagine. And, and for these cats, like I always think of them as my babies, you know, and like, I can't imagine like, um, something outside of my body that came from my body. Just personally, I think I would just be even worse off than I already am. I know that sounds weird, but, um, yeah, I just, and I just don't think you have a child to fix anything, you know, like you just have a child cause it was born out of love. But if you're trying to fix something within you with a baby, no. So I hope I didn't bum anybody. If, if the person who said that hears it, it's fine. You meant well. It's just for me. I don't think I'm going to have a kiddo. I thought I was, but I don't know. I'm getting older and it's not on my priorities. I really do want to have like probably a cat sanctuary or something. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know why that came up. I just, I just, you know, I'm just being honest and real about my thoughts. So, um, yeah, I love kids. They're adorable. And I love, you know, there'd be so many fun things. Like if I had a kid, that'd be so fun. I have so many names picked out. It'd be so fun. But there's some realness to it that I don't think I'm ready for. And honestly, the self-centeredness comment was kind of hurtful too because it's like, I mean, it does seem very self-centered to just be worried about your thoughts and this and that, but I am only worried about them in the respect of being a better person so that I can navigate better through the world and be more contributed, uh, more of a contributing person to society and be able to give to other people, you know? Like, I don't feel like I... 
I take, you know? And if I'm wrong, please, that's fine. Tell me. <laughs> I just don't think that that's my motivation is um, self-serving at all. It's to try and, you know, it seems, and that's the, something I guess I want to say is that for so many, that's where shame comes into is that you feel like, oh my God, I am so self-centered right now. I'm like focused on all my thoughts and focused on being a better person, focused on this and this and this and this and trying to reshape the words in my brain and, and then how do I interact with this person and their negativity is affecting me and that energy affects me and it sounds like me, 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 self, 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 I, I, I. And it's not of that same vein. It's not of the selfish vein. And maybe, I mean, maybe I speak just for myself, but I don't think so. I think that most of the stuff that mindfulness is, is to help you to get out of that I, to get out of that me, to actually clear out the stuff to where you can be more focused on we, you know, and, and to structure yourself in such a way that we doesn't defeat me, you know, because there's no we if, if you aren't okay. Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm going to leave this all in because it's, it's fluid and it's natural and it's raw and it's what I'm feeling because a lot of the times, like I say, people will say that self-care and self-love is very self-centered and self is in it, but it's not about ourselves. Otherwise, why would, like, it would be such a lonely existence and, like, what's the point of life if we're not going to be able to be within a group and help and do things that change the world? So, you know, that's, like, the depression comes in for me a lot, like, because I'm not able to be a part of a we because I'm not... I can't go into it without being deflated continuously. And whenever I'm, you know, whenever I'm deflated, it takes like two weeks to come out of it. And so it's just these things and it's just, um, you know, these patterns, these, these roller coasters that we ride and you start to learn, oh, oh my goodness, I really got to get myself down. You know, I got to figure out who am I? What are my values? What are my non-negotiables? And then I'll be able to go into any setting and be that person and contribute at a much greater rate than I can can now. Because say I go now and it's a really poor experience because I'm not strong and I don't have capacity, I will feel shame and guilt and awful about it for weeks but on the other note is when I don't participate, I can feel guilt for that and I can feel some shame. I'm trying really hard to not go down the shame route um, in this juncture of life where I'm trying to be a more steady person within so that I can be a more steady person outside. And it's all stems from not doing 
not understanding what I needed to do before. I, you know, all these years, you know, just going through the motions of what it really means. And now I understand that the cliches are completely true. You can't love properly if you don't love yourself. And I don't love myself. I don't. And that sucks to say it out loud. <laughs> but that's okay. Like, I, I'm laughing. I'm not even crying about it. Because I am doing everything I can to fall in love with myself. And that sounds so gross and so silly. But it's a true story. It's like, I'm trying to look at myself from a different vantage point. I'm trying to look for the things that I haven't discovered about myself, you know, or, or I'm trying to see all that is good within me so that I can see all that is good within everyone else, um, genuinely, you know, without, I mean, I see so much good in, in, in everyone. It's just the, the hardest part is like, you know, the deal breakers, you know, we all have deal breakers and my deal breakers um, are in consideration and inconsistency. Like I, I don't do well with people that show up differently every time they show up, but I, it, it gives me anxiety. It gives me a real sense of dread. <laughs> like who is going to show up this time? Um, you know, or, you know, and I've been completely guilty of it myself, but like, are they even going to show up? You know, the inconsistent person, you know, and we're all capable of being the things that we don't like. So I've been there and I can be that, but I'm just saying that for me, the repeated pattern of inconsistency, inconsideration, and like dishonesty, like when there's like a trail of lies or, um, you know, just not showing up or showing up different every time or, you know, just showing up and not saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to come over like in consideration, like consider, I just always try and consider what I would want, you know? And even if you're open to having your front door open and people coming in and out all the time, you have to realize that not everyone operates like you, you know? And so, you know, just the, the asking and the, I don't know, just consider it of people's time, people's space. I don't, it's a big thing for me. And yeah. So those things are deal breakers to me. And so I can definitely write off people that do those continuously. And, you know, sometimes people aren't meant to be in your life. Like sometimes, you know, it's just for the best that you're not in that circle with that person. And that's, that's fine. But sometimes, you know, it's people that you don't want to let go of, but they have these patterns and so you have to figure it out because that's your problem you know when someone shows you who they are believe them especially like because I give a a couple more chances you know because everybody has bad day so you give a few chances 
five, ten. <laughs> I give a lot of chances. And by that time, if that's who they are, that's who they are. And so if you want to stick around and have a relationship, then you have to put up with it some way within yourself. You have to figure out how you're going to do that. Otherwise, you have to uh, let them go, you know, or have real succinct boundaries. And it is hard. That's life lately. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm finding my way back. I'm able to do a podcast, which is great. That means that I'm you know, ready to sit down, put energy into talking about it, which is a huge step. So thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back here and taking time to listen. This was kind of heavy, deep and philosophical or I don't know, just a lot of stuff. But um, I don't know. It's just what I've been thinking about. My brain is constantly moving at the speed of light. Um, but it's good. I know what I need. I know that I deserve what I need. Well, I, d- I don't know that yet, but I'm working on deserving what I need, knowing that I'm worthy of what I need and, you know, just setting boundaries and, you know, making sure I know who I can count on and, um, yeah, and then trying to really hold tight to those who are always there for me because it's it's so kind um and life will just keep on going but i wish you all a happy spring i will be doing more podcasts i have a lot on my plate right now so i'm not sure of a schedule and i kind of want to just um you know release that pressure (laughs) um and not worry about a schedule or topics just come on here and um, I'll post, you know, on Instagram to let you know something's there. But, you know, hopefully a couple every month, hopefully more than that, because it really helps uh, me to formulate thoughts and kind of get reset and recharged. And I've heard lovely feedback that it helps. And so I'm so grateful that I can be a any help to anyone with my craziness (laughs) but um yeah I guess that is it for now uh finding my way back we'll get there and just remember you deserve what you need and you did nothing wrong you do nothing wrong by being yourself and by demanding what you need you know i hope you have a beautiful day thanks for listening thanks for being here and stay you heavy boots is written and recorded by jenny camille The song that you hear at the beginning and the end of this podcast is called The Traveler Instrumental by Adrian Walther.
Are you still there? Well, one of my favorite memories of the last few weeks is when I was out on a nature walk and I was in the middle of a field, nobody around, and I was singing at the top of my lungs and I was singing a song by Florence and the Machine. It's a song called Free. And it's one of these songs where I literally feel like I could have written it myself at some point. Uh, It just depicts what I feel a lot of the times so well. And I just never heard someone put depression and anxiety. This just feels like depression and anxiety like in a song. It's just so beautiful. And I'm going to try to sing it now for you. Might be out of key, out of tune. I don't care. Just hear the words. It's so good. Sometimes I wonder if I should be medicated. If I'd feel better just slightly sedated. The feelings come so fast and I can't control it. I'm on fire. But I'm trying not to show it as it picks me up, puts me down, picks me up, puts me down, picks me up, puts me down. A hundred times a day, it picks me up, puts me down, chews me up, spits me out, picks me up, puts me down. I'm always running from something, I push it back, keeps on coming and being clever, never got me very far, because it's all in my head, you're too sensitive, they said, I said okay, let's discuss this at the hospital, has it? Picks me up, puts me down, picks me up, puts me down, picks me up, puts me down. Hundred times a day, it picks me up, puts me down, chews me up, and spits me out, picks me up, puts me down. But I hear the music, and I feel the beat. And for a moment when I'm dancing, I am free. And I hear the music, I feel the beat. And for a moment when I'm singing, I am free. (laughs) Is this how it is? Is this how it's always been? To exist in the face of suffering and death And somehow still keep singing Like Christ upon a cross Who died for us, he died for what? Don't you want to call it off? But there's nothing else that I can do But to open up my arms and give it all to you. Cause I hear the music, I feel the beat. And for a moment when I'm singing, 
feu. 